This is MMA Torch editor Jamie Pennick, and this is the Torch Audio News Brief for Tuesday, May 4th, 2010. Uh, two of the biggest heavyweight fights for this summer have been announced for both Strikeforce and uh, the UFC, as Fedor Emelianenko's return to the Strikeforce cage is official, uh, and Brock Lesnar and Shane Carwin has been officially announced for UFC 116 on July 3rd. So, uh, those two fights are... Uh, just a week apart, and uh, they're, they're the two biggest heavyweight fights of the summer uh, outside of next weekend's uh, Alistair Overeem versus Brett Rogers, uh, Brett Rogers fight uh, on Showtime. But uh, the strike force situation with Fedor, uh, M1 Global had been um, renegotiating or negotiating with with Strikeforce in regards to the terms of the, the deal that they signed last August, bringing Fedor over to Strike, and uh, with um, M1 feeling they did not get their end of the deal uh, at, at the November CBS event, um, basically Fedor was held out. Uh, this fight with Fabricio Verdum was supposed to take place um, on the CBS card uh, last month, and uh, they were not able to come to terms to uh, get that taken care of. Uh, now everything has apparently been fleshed out, and this uh, Showtime card at the HP Pavilion in San Jose, California on June 26th will be a co-promoted event with Strikeforce and M1 Global, and uh, M1 is hoping to have a bigger presence and to make it seem like it's not just a Strikeforce show. Um, so... They're expected to have some M1 fighters on the undercard of this uh, this event, but we'll, we'll see if they actually make the televised portion of the card or if they're just going to be filling the untelevised undercard with M1 fighters and, and how they go about that. Um, the other big heavyweight fight, of course, Brock Lesnar, Shane Carwin at UFC 116 on July 3rd. Uh, the UFC officially announced that event today. Tickets go on sale next week. Um, this very well has a has the chance to be the biggest drawing pay-per-view card of 2010 if uh, Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao do not meet later in the year. Um, last weekend's Mayweather-Mosley bout is reportedly coming in around uh, 1.2 million buys, which, while it is uh, an excellent, excellent number, is well below what uh, what many involved in that fight were hoping to get. So with that underperforming, uh, this fight between Lesnar and Carwin certainly has the uh, potential to do monster, monster business. Um, they've got a really good card up for this thus far, and I think uh, it, it's more than a possibility that they do at least 1.2 million buys, if not even more. Um, UFC 100 came in, uh, the final number is around 1.6 million uh, pay-per-view buys, so... Um, I, I mean, it depends on uh, how, how fans buy this, and if um, if Brock Lesnar really is that much of a draw himself, or if UFC 100 had a lot of boost from George St. Pierre being on the card or not, but uh, I think Lesnar's return after uh, what will have been just under a year uh, of, of a layoff because of his diverticulitis, um, I, I think it will generate enough interest and will be... Um, a big enough card, uh, and, and the fact that UFC 115 is three weeks earlier instead of just two weeks or um, 
uh, anything much closer than that. I, I, I think this has the potential to be uh, the, the biggest uh, UFC drawing card outside of UFC 100. I don't think it's going to surpass that, but I think it certainly could get between 1.2 and 1.4 million pay-per-view buys. Uh, I think it'll be... Uh, I, I mean, I, I think it's very, very likely that it can get into that range. If it does under than that, if it does under that, you know, it might be a disappointment. But I don't think there's any way that that, that fight does less than a million pay-per-view buys. Um, it, it's just it's far too good and um, far far too many storylines. And, and with Shane Carwin coming off such a vicious win over Frank Mir on a, on a pay-per-view card that did really well, um, and, uh, hell, I think with uh, uh, Strike Force going on Showtime next weekend and also being on Showtime twice in June. Uh, I would not be surprised at all for the UFC to counter-program one of those Showtime cards with uh, a, U- a UFC 111 replay on uh, Spike TV and get uh, get that Shane Carwin victory over Mir uh, on to, to even more viewers if they didn't tune in for it. So uh, that'll be uh, definitely something that the UFC has in their pockets as a promotional tool to help sell this fight. I just... I. I, I don't see any way that this uh, card does not do under a million pay-per-view buys, plain and simple. Um, uh, some other UFC news. Uh, one of the fights that was supposed to be on this card uh, was Alessio Sakara against Nate Marquardt. Sakara pulled out of the fight last week due to the death of his father. Uh, and now both fighters have been pushed to August cards, and they've gotten different opponents. Uh, Sakara will be facing off against George Rivera. Um, at UFC 118 in August, uh, Rivera is uh, from Massachusetts, and uh, this should be an excellent, excellent middleweight bout. I actually like the two matchups that they've got better than uh, the Sakara Marquardt bout. Uh, both these guys are coming off a three-fight uh, win streaks and um, very entertaining victories in their last fight, so uh, we'll have to see how this one goes down, but it, it should be a stand-up battle between the two of them. Uh, Nate Marquardt, meanwhile, will fight on either UFC 117 on August 8th in uh, uh, Oakland, California, sorry, <laughs> or on the UFC 118 card in Boston, and he will be taking on Husamar Polaris, who um, is, of course, coming off the submission victory over Tomas Derval at UFC 111, where he held on to the submission too long, was suspended 90 days by the commission, but uh, clearly not facing any other punishment from that. Uh, the other uh, bout coming to UFC 118 is between um, Terry Adam and Boston Bill Joe Lozon, um, or Massachusetts' its own uh, Joe Lozon, I should say. And so um, they're filling up the, the Boston card with a lot of uh, fighters from Massachusetts and uh, a lot of hometown guys in that area, and it, it's shaping up to be another really good card this summer as well. Uh, final UFC news, uh, with Forrest Griffin pulling out of the UFC 114 bout with Antonio Hogario Noguera, um, Jason Rills has been tapped as the replacement. Uh, not exactly the guy that uh, a lot of people are going to be excited about. Um, I would have much preferred to see uh, Tiago Silva or John Jones get pushed into this fight. Uh, I think both of those would have been excellent, excellent choices. That would have been highly exciting for a lot of people. This one just doesn't do a whole lot for the imagination. Uh, Brills just does not have a name that uh, 
that really um, incites a lot of excitement. And uh, so, uh, you know, it, it, it's still a solid competitive bout. Brills is 3-1 uh, and one in the UFC. His only loss was a split decision to Elliott Marshall. He's 18-2-1 overall. 14 of his fights have uh, ended by a submission or TKO. I mean, so he's a very talented fighter. He's, he's a good fighter. He's got a lot of wins on his, on his record uh, and should provide a decent challenge to Noguera, but it's just nowhere near the level that the Griffin fight would have been um, and, and also not near the level that uh, John Jones or Tiago Silva would have been as a replacement. Uh, some strike force news outside of uh, Fedor. Carl Parisian is in talks to fight for strike force and could debut in June. Uh, he has not been seen since uh, he was released uh, by the UFC. He pulled out of his UFC 106 bout against Dustin Hazlett a day before the weigh-ins. It was the second time he's pulled out of a fight uh, right before the weigh-ins. Um, and uh, he has not fought since uh, UFC 94, where he defeated um, Dong Young Kim by decision, but that fight was overturned because he failed a uh, post-fight drug test uh, due to painkillers in his system. So, Parisians had a lot of issues. He's, he's only fought twice now since November of 2007, um, and sadly, if, if he gets signed by Strike Force, he's almost the de facto number one contender to Nick Diaz's belt because that division is uh, is very weak for Strike Force right now, um, at least on the top end. They've got some guys uh, like Teron Woodley and Tim Kennedy that are, are coming up, but they have stuck them on challengers cards, and Nick Diaz isn't going to fight them because uh, they're no-name guys that aren't going to do anything for him. Um, at least that's that's his attitude right now towards those types of fights. Uh, some quick Bellator news. The welterweight semifinals are set for Bellator 19. Um, that will be two weeks from Thursday. Uh, Steve Carl will meet Dan Hornbuckle, and Ben Askren and Ryan Thomas will face off for the second time um, in a rematch of their quarterfinal bout that ended in controversy when Askren earned a technical submission victory, even though Thomas did not submit verbally or physically in that fight. So um, that one is coming to uh, Grand Prairie, Texas, just outside of Dallas. So uh, the Texas fans have two events in a row with that that event, and then Bellator 20 in San Antonio. Um, so a lot of uh, uh, action coming to uh, the uh, Texas area for Bellator in the coming month. Um, finally, just want to finish with some uh, comments on today's uh, uh, Strike Force conference call for next week's Alistair Overeem Brett Rogers fight at Strike Force heavy, ar- heavy artillery from Saint- the Scott Trade Center in St. Louis, Missouri. Um, Overeem touched on uh, a lot of stuff during the uh, during the conference call, but a lot of the, the the questions and comments were coming back to two topics: Fedor Emelianenko and the steroid issue. Um, Overeem, when it came to the steroids and his build, continues to say, you know, I, that he is a natural heavyweight, um, that he was walking around heavier and, and cutting down uh, a lot of weight to get down to the 205 pound division where he fought before. And now that he made the move to heavyweight, you know, it's a, um, a matter of his, his diet and not having to uh, cut back on, on things that he's eating, that he can gain weight and um, gain muscle and stuff like that, uh, despite contentions from many that he 
does um, use performance-enhancing drugs. Uh, Brett Rogers' comment during the call was, you know, I love the gym and I love to work out. I know I'm not going to blow up like that in, in that amount of time. Um, you know, Overeem goes back to people can say what they want, but I'm going to have to pee. Brett's going to have to pee. We all have to pee. There's going to be a positive or negative result. I know it'll be negative, he says. Um, but regardless of that, the skeptics are going to be out there against Overeem because the commission testing in the United States is uh, um, a joke at best, and um, urine tests are, are not always the uh, um, end-all, be-all. Um, Hell, blood tests aren't the end-all, be-all. Uh, we've seen that in multiple sports and across multiple sports, so even if he passes a test, the, the skeptics are going to say, well, you know, he had a lot of time um, to, uh, a lot of notice ahead of time uh, to, to know that this was coming, and uh, so he could have prepared for it, blah, blah, blah. Uh, as for Fedor, uh, he came out with even more pointed comments towards M1 and, and Fedor, saying uh, the reason that the fight didn't happen with, uh, with him and Fedor yet is M1 wants to keep his status as undefeated. And they say they see him as a threat, and uh, he talked about one of M1 Global's managers um, following his career, knowing how he trains, and saying he had an eye on him throughout his career. And and he ended just saying, you know, any potential threat, M1 is going to try to stay away from that uh, because they want to keep Fedor undefeated. And um, if I were M1, I would be doing the same thing because uh, Fedor is their their cash cow. He is their negotiating tool. He is the only thing that they have to offer for co-promotion uh, for the most part. Um, they've got overseas TV deals and some things like that and connections into Russia and some other areas that they do bring to the table. But the fact of the matter is they wouldn't have um, they, they wouldn't be at anyone's bargaining table if it weren't for Fedor. Um, and it's just the simple fact of the matter that as soon as Fedor loses, they lose all of their bargaining for any co-promotional event for any organization that they want to try to get with. Uh, they lose any bargaining with the UFC. Um, they lose bargaining with Strike Force because uh, a Fedor loss kind of takes away the aura that is the undefeated Fedor, and people aren't going to put up with um, the demands and tactics that M1 is trying to uh, hit them with to bring Fedor to the table and bring Fedor into to, into an organization. Um, I mean, today's press release on Fedor fighting even says M1 Global's Fedor, so it's, it's clear Fedor is not a Strike Force fighter. Fedor is an M1 fighter um, fighting on a Strike Force card, plain and simple. Um, I went a little long today, so that's, a, that's all I'm going to uh, have for today, and uh, I'll be back tomorrow with more, so thanks for uh, listening once again. This is Jamie Pennock signing off.